Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to press in and to understand even greater the mystery of your righteousness and the power and the authority that comes in your kingdom. Father, direct us and lead us. Holy Spirit, take over. And Father, allow me to be your vessel and allow us, Father, to be those who receive together the things that you have for us. Lord, you know my heart. I don't want to just utter words, Father. We want that which comes from the throne room and that which is used as a utility in the kingdom of God for your greatness and that all things honor you. Father, be honored. Jesus, be honored. Holy Spirit, come in this house. Rest with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been on a wonderful journey to discover more about the righteousness of God. And what I've discovered in the past eight weeks is that my ceiling of level and knowledge of righteousness uh, needed to be broken. The glass needed to be broken. And um, my challenge is to help you uh, to break the glass as well. And uh, last week, last Sunday, how many of you were here last Sunday for the message? So most of you. Um, we started to tread into some places that I think um, percolated a lot inside of our spirit. And I don't want to lose that. I don't want to assume that we got to a place and we can just go from there without maybe doing a, a bit of a recap. The problem is there's about seven weeks to recap and I can't do that. So I'm gonna take us very, very quickly to a place that we can continue to build upon and I need the help of the Lord to do this. Um, I wrote out last night as I was asking the Lord where we go, um, dare we deal with spiritual engineering? What do we mean by spiritual engineering? Well. We are creatures that are constantly fascinated with how things are designed, how they're made, where they come from, uh, what they can be used for. We plan, we design, you know, we inquire a lot. We test, we build up, we tear down. And these are just some of the disciplines, as I was thinking about it, that are in this complex sphere of the world that's known to us. Uh, think about it. You have. The, the regular six engineering disciplines, right? Those are civil, mechanical, uh, chemical, petroleum, electrical, aerospace. But then we go beyond, we go into social engineering, we get into economic engineering, political engineering, scientific, audio, visual. How about body parts? How about DNA, genetic engineering? Um, but the scripture reveals that the ultimate source of everything, everything that is made is our creator. And I want to start from that foundation this morning and build upon it. And if we would look at Colossians uh, chapter 1, turn to verse 16, please. It says that he is the master builder. Why? Because for him, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And of course, we know he is before all things and he has dominion. Let's focus on that for a second. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and then on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. 
that's all-encompassing. That means both the physical and the spiritual. We're going to focus on the spiritual. Because if we focus on the physical, we can only go so far, can't we? The inquiry of science and discovery only gets so far and then it needs to go further. And it's never satisfied because what God has created is far too much for any one person to fathom or even come close to fathoming in a lifetime, let alone in thousands of years. And so we look and we ask the Lord, what's the source of all this? And what God has done for us is he's allowed us to understand mysteries of creation and knowledge. He's allowed us to be able to look through his eyes into what is behind him. And in so doing, we then understand us because he gave us his son, right? It all starts with Jesus for us. And because of him who was made sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ, we understand that we're new creatures. As a new creature, who are we in? Christ. Christ in us, us in Christ. But it says here that for him, all things by him were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Well, there's a foundation, and I want us to move towards that foundation this morning. Now, first and foremost, Acts chapter 7. We're going to build some, found, uh, some building on, on Scripture here. Acts 7, verse 48. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Why? Heaven is my throne, says the Lord, and earth is my footstool. Now, he's talking spiritually. And of course, this is done in a simile. And so we understand what he's saying is that heaven, heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. It doesn't mean that God's relegating the earth to be less important to him than heaven. In fact, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the importance of the earth to God is paramount in his plan of redemption. But we understand that his throne, his throne is somewhere in the invisible heaven. Somehow this throne is spiritual. It may be tangible when we get there, but to us it's spiritual. It's literally almost invisible. And we also understand that through Christ, everything has been made. Through Christ. Now, there are some theologians that will argue whether the interpretation of the word should be through or by. Um, I believe it's by and through. And the words we just read prove that true. By and through. He created everything. It was created by him, but it was created through him. So it's a little bit of a different creator than that which any human being can create. We may think we created something, right? There are those who are inventors. They have inventions. They created something. They invented something, but the ultimate source is God. But the difference for God is through. The quality of righteousness that we want to pursue this morning is through. It's not by. So just keep that in mind. You're saying, wow, pastor, you know, this is getting a little philosophical for me. No, it's getting very practical for you. I want you to keep in your mindset through, not by. Through, not by. And so as we go for that purpose, we then understand that there's, we talked about there being a scepter of righteousness last week. A scepter being a staff, a rod. 
But yet it tells us that Christ is the scepter of righteousness. And we understand that righteousness happens to be the foundation of who God is. Let's look as we continue on in Psalms. And let's go to, actually, I prefer right now to go to, yes, let's go to Psalms 89. And look at verse, I'm going to change again. I want to go to Hebrews. And I want to go to um, Hebrews 11:13. Everything prior to Christ was seeking righteousness. This is the hall of faith. This is where we understand that it says this was accounted to a certain person because of righteousness was accounted because they were pursuing obedience of God. The problem is in our body of Christ today, this kind of faith has leaked over into our walk. And so we're still seeking righteousness by obedience when we have already received righteousness. And what that causes is works. Works are the antithesis of faith. So we then find ourselves working faith. If I could just work a little harder, if I could just believe a little more, if I could just, and we put all of these little parameters in front of us, believing and understanding and really with a good heart, striving to get somewhere so that God will be pleased and move in our lives. How many of you, when you're really honest, say, yeah, that, that works in my life. I get to a point where I'm really pressing a little harder, and I wonder, did I do something wrong? I wonder if I do something better, will it happen? I wonder why this happened, because maybe I didn't do it right. And then we hear the, the counseling and the philosophy of humanity, you know, the consequences. Of, there's consequences to everything you do. And how many of us love that old-time religious condemnation that says, you know, there's consequences to your sin? But that's not what the Word says. What the Word says is that once we've gone through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've entered into His righteousness. And the entire attempt of Christ coming into the world was to lift up a scepter of righteousness. And a scepter is the king's staff. A scepter is the rod. The scepter is the authority and the dominion. And so here we are creatures here on earth who have a citizenship. We have a citizenship that's physical and we have a citizenship that's spiritual. If you've been born again, your citizenship is in, where's heaven? It's invisible, is it not? I know some, some of you, maybe you go back and forth to heaven like some of the people I hear and read about all the time. And they tell me they've been to heaven every other week. I'm not one of those people. But I can tell you this, if the Lord wants me to go see heaven, that's a wonderful thing to do. But my citizenship is based upon my faith in the heavenly places with God. Faith in Christ brings us to righteousness. Correct? There's only one way to have righteousness. It's to believe in Jesus Christ. Our own, our own righteousness is filthy rags to God. And so sometimes we take those filthy rags and we still wear them in the house of the Lord because we're trying to pursue him with our own righteousness. And we find ourselves in that perplexity of saying, if only, if only, if only, and then maybe it will. 
Whereas the, vo the, the voice of the righteous one who's in Christ says, it already is because I'm in Christ. I don't need to strive anymore. There's a place of faith that's the highest level. It's called resting in righteousness. And so we go through Christ. Now, there's two ways you go through Christ. One, it says through the blood, everything is purged. And everything has been through the blood, through Christ. We've been purged in Jesus Christ through the blood. If we've been purged by the blood, then we've been redeemed. Redeemed for what? Number one, salvation, but redeemed for righteousness here on earth in the now. I asked a question last week. I'm going to ask you again to provoke you. And that question was this. Do you believe that when you pass through this body, when, this, when you leave this body, your spirit leaves this body, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When your spirit leaves this body, do you believe that you'll be any more righteous than you are right now in heaven? I'll answer it. No. You've either been made righteousness or you've not. Right, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he was made sin who knew no sin that I'm gonna say you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, was there one sin that Christ wasn't made? I hope not, because that might've been mine, which means that I have to pay the price. He was made sin, all sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't exclude anybody so that whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that means when we get ourselves into the thought process that Christ died for all the sin from the beginning of creation of man till the time that man and time shall be no more and we shall all be with him. He died for all of that sin once and for all. He was made sin who knew no sin. That word made, it breaks down, whether it's in the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the English and the Greek, I don't care how you break it down, it all comes down to the same thing. And it means that it's something that was totally, totally created. It doesn't have just a manufacturing aspect to it. Man manufactures, God creates. It's a creational thing. That's why the word says that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You've been made new. All things are new, old things have passed away. When God recreated man, it was in his image again to be all new, nothing old, all new. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm all new. Oh, you don't sound too convincing. If they didn't convince you, turn them and say, are you sure? Are you sure? We're not talking about your clothes or your undergarments or your socks or your shoes. We're, we're talking about your spirit, right? What has been, your spirit is that which is the new creation being. This body hasn't caught up to the spirit, nor shall it ever until I'm risen into a new body. But at the meantime, this body's been decaying since it's been born. The soul is crying out, is it not? And the soul, it goes after the lusts and the flesh and the mind needs to be controlled. But the spirit has been totally renewed in Christ. And that spirit is crying out all the time for the new things of God. So just as Christ was made sin who knew no sin, so were you made the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a new creation. You're not manufactured. And it's not your spirit that gets renewed. It's your mind Christians are trying to renew their spirits, and that's called works. We've been taught that we have to renew our spirits. You know, 
You just need a steady dose of confession and repentance in your life. Do you really? You see, we've been taught the wrong things for good reasons. And we've accepted them because we just accepted them. Fortunately for me, I, I really, you know, wasn't brought up in the Word of God. And you say, why, why would you say fortunately? Because I didn't, those traditions and customs didn't stain my spirit. I had three and a half years of religion in a Catholic high school, and I wasn't Catholic. And it was the easiest class I had. We had a quiz every week, 20 questions, true or false, duh. It was, I got A's all the way through it. I didn't learn much, but I got A's all the way through it. <laughs> Studying Torah in the temple when I really became fanatical. I didn't, I didn't really get stained with tradition and ritual. In fact, it caused me to question it because I couldn't understand why we had been set free from those legalistic requirements to find righteousness according to laws that nobody could give me. And so the rabbis didn't know what to do, so they kick and they boot it over to different things, and the different things happen to be the writings of other rabbis that go back centuries ago, and geez, since they said it a thousand years ago, it must make it right. And so we're gonna do that because we don't have the temple anymore, the temple burned down, so since the temple burned down, we don't need to go to temple and we can't have sacrifice anymore because the temple's gone. So we just do good things. And we go once a year for the day of atonement. And in the day of atonement, we believe God has allowed us to atone ourselves, but for how long? And so the questions came. And so the good thing in my life, in my spirit, in my walk with Christ is that I've learned to question everything that I've heard according to the Word of God. And if I can't find it in there, I just don't accept it. And one of those things, and I know I get people agitated with it. I'm going to say it again, like I said last week, and at least Garth Kuntz got it last week, bless God. One of those things is pleading the blood. Why? It's not in the Word. But it works, Pastor. Well, yeah, it works. As I said then, if you want to go to France with a bunch of Catholics and see the statue cry, there will be miracles there because God meets you at the level of your faith. But what is the level of your faith? How many times you go through the blood? Let me ask you. Once? Anybody think you go through twice? Three times? Four times? Hmm? Do you think you're really cleansing your car in the blood of Jesus? I'm just asking you. People got to plead the blood on my car. And I say, what? Your car is a sovereign entity of God because of who's in the car. You're in the car. Because you're in the car, the car's under your dominion and authority. Because it's under your dominion. Come on now. Because it's on filling the Holy Ghost. Because it's under your dominion and authority, then wherever you go, you're going under the safety and the umbrella of God Almighty. It's because of who you are, not because of the tools you use. We've been made to use tools. When God says, wait a minute, I gave the ultimate sacrifice. Christ cried out, I gave myself so that you might be made the righteousness of God. Now, there's all kind of scriptures, aren't there? Of be, being made priests and kings, Revelation 1, Revelation 5, Hebrews. And no matter how you boil down, it comes down and it says this, that you 
And I'm saying you, and if you allow me, I'll include myself, but I'm preaching to you. But you're, we're really preaching to ourselves, right? You have been made priests and kings, a royal priesthood, a holy nation unto God. So let's talk about that amendment as we did again before. If we can just get this concept, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto you. I know I've been drilling this into you for the last eight weeks and I'm gonna keep drilling it into you because we glass over that. We go on into things and then we get excited because we wanna be like Abraham. We wanna be like Moses. We wanna be like Noah. The prayer that brought me to Christ is I wanted to have a heart like David. Why? Because David screwed up so much and God blessed him so much that I certainly related to that. And I said, if he could deal with me like that, like he dealt with him, I'm in. I'm there. But I couldn't get there. We want to be like them, but they were pursuing things. God accounted unto Abraham for righteous because he was making idols with his family in the, in the family business in the land of Ur and making idols to whatever, right? That's the place, by the way, where they have millions of gods. Making idols, probably millions of them, whatever god you wanted, you went in and you had an idol made and he paid for it. Hey, you want a snail god? I got one for you. You want a frog god? Let's make you one. How much will you pay? So Abraham came out of that, God called him out, and he, and he, and he, he followed a promise. But it tells us in Hebrews that God accounted it to them unto righteousness because they pursued the things and never found the promises. But he says, better are we who have the promise. You have the promise. We gotta quit the mentality of seeking things. We gotta quit the mentality of wanting to have another chapter written that puts you into the hall of faith. You're there. And we need to understand something. It's recyclical, faith and righteousness, right? Now, we pursue God with faith. Every one of you had to cross a threshold that received Jesus Christ that says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That was a monumental step of faith. That was gigantic. That was life-changing because all of a sudden you became eligible for the blood. And when you became eligible for the blood, Christ sprinkled on that altar with your initials on it a long time ago. And he said, I've paid the price, Father. Here's another one that has our name. You received redemption and salvation, washed, cleansed in the blood, not just atoned. You see, what led me to pursue Christ was that atonement wasn't getting it. Atonement is just temporal. Atonement is a covering. Atonement is when you go into the altar that God had and you cover it with blood. But guess what happens to the blood after a while if it's not consumed by the fire? It gets stale and it gets crinkly and there's no more life in the blood. And the life evaporates from the blood. Life is in the blood, but life's not in dead blood. Life's not in dried blood. Life's in real blood. So it evaporates and the same thing happens with atonement. And I've often preached this. I said, I wondered what Jesus meant 
when he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I've come to fulfill it. Well, that sounded good for a lot of things on a religious side, but boy, you get into the New Testament belief. No, no, let's not talk about the law. We're free of the law. But Jesus said, I've come to fulfill it. You know, you know one of the peace, some of the peace I get from that? We lived on the north side of Youngstown for a while. And um, all but one of our children, when they were born, was affiliated with that house on Selma Avenue. Just Sammy, when he got born, we were living in the basement of a house in Canfield. All the rest of them, that was their home. And that's where I used to take my prayer walks from. And I'd take the prayer walk up Selma Avenue, and when I did, and I'd go straight up the other side, I'd come to the Jewish graveyard behind the Jewish community center. And quite often, before the sunset, a hearse would pull in, a body would be taken out, and another Jew would be buried. And I'd cry out to God and I'd say, Lord, how many more must die and not know the Messiah? Why am I so inadequate for the people that I cried out for? You said, Lord, if I could only be something for my people and you saved me, how about them? And then I'd see a name that I knew. I'd see a name that had a chair written in the temple and I'd begin to weep and cry before God. And I'd say, another soul, where's that soul, Lord? But then, and believe me, I'm not preaching a gospel that all Jews are saved. Trust me, I'm not. But then I realized this. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law. Now let me ask you a question. And this is a tough one because only God knows. But if you had to take a choice, it's 50-50. Do you think Abraham saved? Yes. You do? How about John the Baptist? His last question was, are you who, they, who you say you are? <laughs> he had some doubts until he knew. He knew when his head got chopped off. Do you think David is saved? Yes. How about Noah? Yes. It was accounted unto him under righteousness. How are they saved? Unless they come through the blood. You see, when Christ went into hell, and some people don't like that one either. When Christ went into hell, he had to go into hell. He had to pay the price. God is a God of justice. It tells us that the foundation of the throne of God is justice and righteousness. That means everything spiritual is built upon the righteousness of God. Everything. Now, what's good about that is that means because he's transparent, everything flows through the foundation of God and righteousness and now, Becky, all of a sudden, I get a little bit of understanding about we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Because we can't know the power of righteousness unless we understand it in spirit. We can't understand it according to the legality of my, man. And we can't believe that God can save anybody unless they say those three beautiful words, I believe. We have a hard time with it, don't you? But just maybe in the grace and mercy of God, just may, but maybe. When he descended into hell, he had a whole bunch of tickets. And those tickets were from times of atonement. They were from Gentiles who never got to go to the temple. They were people that were pursuing God. They were people that were looking for the mercy and justice of God before there was even an opportunity to understand the blood of Jesus Christ. How about all those people? Is God unjust? that he would cause generations and lifelines to be damned to hell forever with no chance? 
Well, I just wonder. God judges us according to what we know and then what we accept and receive, doesn't he? And so I wonder about that person in the middle of nowhere that looked up one night and says, God, if you're there, just show me something in the skies. Is there a God? And maybe, just maybe, a shooting star went across the sky. And just maybe that person said again, Lord, if that was you, if there's a God, show me another one. And phew, another one. He says, I believe. I don't know what I believe, but I believe. You see, I believe in that because I was that person. I didn't have much to bounce on. I just wanted to know there was a God. I was a practical atheist. I was a philosopher. That's what I went to school for. Don't be afraid if you have a child that's telling you they don't believe in God in college. That's so common. That's as common as Jimmy's old underwear. That's... It too shall pass. <laughs> so, just what? Just what? If when Jesus went into hell, he had an entire generational book and documents, dog tags, if you will, of souls that deserved salvation. Just what if when he went into hell, he said, I didn't come here to destroy you by the law. I came to fulfill it by the law. I've come to fulfill that which you could not make. Not one person could get to the law, but here I am. My salvation is beyond eternity. My salvation goes back now and forward. That's the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. If Christ can penetrate hell for you, for your family, for the seed of your seed, your seed, your seed, for your seed, what can he do for you now? I'm starting to enjoy this revelation of righteousness. You know why, Pastor Barney? I'm not working so hard at faith. Man, I was working hard. If only I could believe a little more. If only I could do a little more. If only, if only, if only, if only. Whoa! Rest in righteousness. Jesus Christ did it all. Now, two parallel levels we're living on. In the spirit, remember, through the word through. Turn to your neighbor and say, through, through, not throw. Through, through. You can even do that. Do it with me. Through. One more time. Through. There we go. We got it. Through Christ. Through Christ. We are living in two different spheres. Come on with me now. In the spirit. One is called kingdom. The other one's called righteousness. Kingdom is horizontal. Kingdom has dominion. Kingdom needs a king. Kingdom needs a territory. Kingdom must have a realm, right? You have dominion. How many of you know you have dominion? No, 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 boy, some of you don't have any dominion. <laughs> oh, my Lord, help me. Because of who you are, everywhere your feet step is your dominion. 
You own it. You say, wait a minute. No, God created you. He created Adam and he told him to have dominion over all things. God didn't break his own laws. He came to fulfill that law and he refulfilled it. And he says, now you're a new creature. You're the second man, Adam. Jesus was the first man, Adam. All things are made new. You have dominion. And in that dominion, it means that you have the power of authority. The kingdom is your citizenship, correct? The kingdom is your citizenship. But because you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have rights. God put all of those rights into one vertical position with him called righteousness. So in the kingdom, you are a scepter of righteousness. Stop for a second. You're a scepter of righteousness. That means that wherever you are, whatever you do, whoever you are, when you're in Jesus Christ, you're a scepter of righteousness. The righteousness of God has totally, totally captivated you. Hasn't left one iota out. There's not more, one more thing you can do or can't do to prove the righteousness of God. You have been made righteous in the kingdom that God has given you. And so many times we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And we're still waiting. It's here. It's in you. You're the kingdom. And it's righteousness. Now, another misnomer that we've been taught. We've got to work at being holy. Really? How many of you do a good job at working and being holy? Oh, okay. I'm glad you didn't put your hands up on this one. You have dominion and you don't do a very good job at working at holy. You know why? Because you can't. You're either holy or you're not holy. You are holy. Holy is a byproduct of righteousness. If you're the righteousness of Christ in Jesus Christ, you've been made a priest. You're a king in the kingdom, a priest in righteousness. What's the purpose of a priest? Relationship with God. The whole purpose of the priest is relationship with God. Well, who are you the priest of most of all? Me, myself, and I. Right? The three of us. The three of us. How many of you know each one of you has three parts in your being? Right? Okay. Just, just want to know you got the soul, you got the spirit, you got the mind. Me, myself, and I. I need to be a priest over this complicated, complex being that has three parts. Especially the one called flesh. The one, the one that realms between the soul and the body and loves to pick up on lusts and greed and jealousy and unforgiveness and, and fears and doubts. You need to be the priest over that one. What do you do with that one? When there's sin in the camp, what do you do with it? You cut it out. When there's leaven in the house and it's Passover time, what do you do with it? You scoop it up in a little thing and you throw it out. A priest of this temple. A priest to God in relationship to other people. A priest of righteousness. And you're equipped to go with the Lord all the time because you're the righteousness of God. And because you're the righteousness of God, you can't be in his presence unless you're holy. So you're already holy. Come on, you're already holy. You can't work at being holy. 
You can work at obedience to God in the things that God has given you and in your life. And most of all, you have to take authority over yourself. You take authority over yourself and now you're the priest of yourself. Now you're in perfect alignment with God and the full righteousness of God is working in every aspect of your life. Jesus Christ said, I've come to give you life and life. You've learned in this house what abundance is. You can't count it. It just goes and grows and grows. And all that God is, is all that is yours. Is it? Are you certain? Because if you're certain, and I pray that you get there, then you're gonna have, you're gonna be able to quick quit working so hard about faith. Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of which, okay, and once it's seen, what is it? It's the answer, right? You have a better promise. That hall of faith, that whole hall of faith was considered righteous because they were able to believe in something they couldn't see. You too have believed in someone you couldn't see. His name is Jesus. But everything that comes with him, once that floodgate is opened up, is yours, and it's called righteousness of Christ. It's who he is, and he's given it to you. And if he's given you that, now you have the abundance of everything that he is. So you can work less and receive more. Work less and receive more. How many of you know my prayer for, for you when you come to me and you're telling me God's given you this to do and this to do and this to do? I say, I pray you work half as hard and make twice as much. It's because I believe. I believe. Now, we've been taught about our positive confessions, which is all right. We need a positive confession before God. We don't want to annul the things of God with a negative confession. There's a lot of power in the mouth. We've been taught that, you know, if we want mountain-moving faith, then we need to be able to stand strong and to repeat it and to hold on to it no matter what, and that's all true. But you know what the easiest kind of faith is? It's the kind that says, you're, the right, you're righteous, oh God. Your foundation is built upon righteousness and justice. And by the way, they mean almost the same thing. And because it's built upon righteousness and justice, and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, then faith must flow for me and do what I cannot do. Now, let me see if I can make it a little easier for you to comprehend. You can work in faith on the same thing over and over and over and over, or you can declare it because you know it's the will of God, leave it with him, and then wait and watch. Even as if it's an episode forming out of a movie that you already know the end of. You know what my favorite sports things are to watch? When I already know the score. It's fun. When I already knew my team won and I just wanna watch how did they win? and it's a replay, that's an exciting game. Even when things are looking bad and I'm not like this, and that's my favorite one. That's the way we should be. Your life has already won. Everything for God for you is already victory. Everything for him is yea and amen. You may have the doctor tell you you're sick, but you're not sick. You're the healed of Jesus Christ. 
You may have the bank call and tell you they're ready to take your home, but guess what? They're not going to take your home because God has already told you it's yours. There's nothing anybody can do to you that God, and you say, well, how do I know where God permits and God doesn't permit? You know where the line is drawn? It's you resting in his righteousness. You draw the line. The only thing that can stop faith is our negative faith. Nothing else will stop it. So isn't it wonderful if you get to the place where you can rest in righteousness? Isn't it wonderful if we really understand who we are in Christ? And when we really understand who we are in Christ, then we come to a place where we don't have to work so hard at it anymore. God never intended faith to be works. Is that true? He never intended it. God never intended you to have to work so hard at believing something that it overwhelms your life so that you're impractical for everything else in the kingdom of God. How many times I've heard people say, when this gets right, then I'm going to do something that God wants me to do. I'm going to wait till this is right, and then I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait till this is right, and then they're still waiting. You'll never be right in your own mindset in alignment on this world with the practical things of God to be used of God, but you're already perfected in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You've been made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. I'm going to be closing here in a moment. I took a lot of deviations, but I wanted to. Righteousness, whether it's here or it's in the next life in heaven, is the highest level of existence that you can have in the spirit. Why? Because with it comes everything of God. So if you've been made righteousness, don't seek a higher level with God. Begin to use the level that you are in God already. Begin to rest in it. Begin to acknowledge it. You know, there's a lot to be said. How many of you... It predates me. I didn't do it, but my father did. My father came from a very poor family. He had to get his GED. He went to the military. And he needed some help to become confident. And so he took the Dell Carnegie courses. And I remember as a kid seeing all those books laying in my house. And I remember sometimes watching my father put his military uniform on. He was a military guy. And he'd stand in front of the mirror and he'd do what Del Carnegie told him and he'd begin to tell him who he was. He'd tell the mirror who he was. And he began to get confidence and he would practice in front of that mirror. Sometimes we need to do the same thing. Sometimes we need to realize that glory that we're looking at in the mirror is transforming to an even a greater glory. As if you're looking in that looking glass. Sometimes we need to stand in front of the looking glass of Jesus Christ and say, I am the righteousness of God. And you know what? I don't care what people say. I don't care what's happened. I don't care what I think it is. I don't care. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And because I am, all things are possible. And because they are possible, then by God in Jesus Christ's name, I'm in agreement with you. Father, I receive it in Jesus' name. If we can't be in unity with ourselves, you can have all the prayers of agreement you want. You're not going to get across the finish line. You get a whole bunch of people that don't agree praying in agreement. What good is that? It's called a prayer of agreement. 
So you got to agree with yourself first. I'm a priest. I'm a king. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm a child. I'm an heir. I'm a new creation. Everything that he has is mine. And it's mine abundantly now. Right now. You say, but pastor, does that mean my bank account's just going to start swirling and dollars are going to be in there? It might and it might not. I don't know. But that's not how you measure yourself in the kingdom of God. You measure yourself in the kingdom of God by the spirit. And your spirit must get in alignment with God. And when your spirit's in alignment with God, then everything else begins to get in line. You know why? And we'll get into this next week. There are fruits of righteousness. How many of you know that? Peace, joy. How about provision? Isn't there a scripture that says that the steps of the righteous man is perfectly ordered? How? Perfectly. How? Perfectly. How? Perfectly. The steps of the righteous man or woman are perfectly ordered. Do you believe that or don't you believe that? Did you fumble and bumble and make a life-taking mistake that you'll never recover from? I don't think so. Have, have you been dealt a bad blow that isn't going to give God glory in, in how he overcomes it? I don't believe so. But remember, there's something about steps. They're not steps unless your feet move. Steps don't happen if you're like this. Steps only happen one in front of the other as we walk in Christ. In Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. I didn't get where I wanted to go. I want to end with what I began with some point last week. If you recall, I shared with you that as I was really pursuing knowledge of righteousness of God, first of all, it was an assignment I was given, and secondly, it was, I knew it was of God, and it was a time in my life. I recalled two things. One, I remember being in a, in a room in a very fancy hotel that a friend put me up in, in Israel, and we'd gotten in late, and I got back to the room, and it was about four, four or five o'clock in the afternoon after traveling 20-some hours. And uh, he said, I'll pick you up in the morning. Fine. And I laid down, everybody thinking you would rest, and it was so beautiful. It was overlooking the old city, and I just never had a room like that there before. And it had a balcony, and I opened the doors, and it was beautiful, almost like a fall day here, gorgeous. The air was so good to breathe after being locked up in the cabin of an airplane all those hours and all those wonderful smells that happened with 370 people locked up in those doors all that time. And I was just enjoying it, and I took a nice shower, and I began to just open my Bible and pray and look at my Bible, get some word and go out and look in the balcony and prophesy to the birds and just just thank God that Christ was coming back to Jerusalem and thanking him for all the things I could think of. And before I knew it was about midnight, I said, oh my Lord, he's picking me up at 6.30 in the morning. I better get some rest. And I closed my eyes and within minutes, there was a tussling in my room and I thought somebody had come into my room and I opened my eyes, I was wide awake and someone had come into my room, it was the king of glory and I looked up through the ceiling and 
It was there, but it wasn't there, and there was a cloud. And the cloud moved from one side to the other side. And in it, I could see the things of God moving, and the Spirit was speaking to me, and he said, the, the Ancient of Days. And, and then I saw the Messiah coming, and I saw all these things and wrapped up in this cloud of glory. And this, this doesn't happen regularly to me. You understand? This was, this was monumental. And so I, I was so taken aback by it, I didn't know what to do, and I was watching it, and there was this messenger, and it was as if it was a messenger that was bringing a cablegram through royalty, and he had on blue, royal blue, and a little messenger's hat, and he was on a horse, and he held a scepter. And I saw the messenger, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord saying to me, you'll be my messenger with the scepter. And I couldn't understand the scepter until last week, the scepter of righteousness. And it stopped, the cloud stopped over me and it continued to have all of this stuff moving inside of it, just flashing through so many things, scrolls and things and I couldn't take it all in and I wouldn't dare move. I didn't want to miss the moment and then words began to come out of the cloud and I couldn't make out the words. They weren't Hebrew, they weren't Greek. They, they were no words, nothing I'd seen before. I knew it was different. And, the, and, and they would come out in one side and they'd flip around and then frame me. And then another one would frame me and then another one would frame me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, the worlds were framed by the word of God. And I realized I was being framed. And I was trying to figure out what is this all about in all those years. It's been about seven, eight years now. I've been wondering. And last week I got the answer. It's the scepter of righteousness, to be a messenger of the scepter of righteousness. And then the Lord made it very clear to me that the body of Christ, in pursuing our identities, in pursuing faith, in pursuing revival, in pursuing everything that we're so busy pursuing about we failed to grasp that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. And that each and every one of us holds the scepter. And if we hold the scepter, then whatever we hold the scepter to, we have authority over it, and it must. It has no choice, because it's the scepter of the Most High, the scepter of Jesus Christ. It must obey the righteousness of God. It must conform to it. And I thought about it over this last week, and. Um, as you know, when God moves in you, there's always a, a lash back. And I had a pretty strong one. <clears throat> By the grace of God, I'm standing in front of you right now, a little weebly, but I'm getting stronger. And um, so much in that stripping was going on. And, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, my church is too busy about spiritual warfare. I've already won it. He said, my church is too busy about working faith. I've already done it. My church is too busy pursuing wisdom as if it's something they can process through a man when it's the man of mind of Christ. My church is too overwhelmed with grace when I have so much more for my church. My church is too caught up in tradition and ritual that has the fingerprints of men upon it when I've put my blood-stained hands in your spirits. And as the Lord was saying this to me, and I was 
breaking down and, and just repenting of these things of God for myself and for the body of Christ, I have to be honest with you. I said, Lord, this is a, this scepter's a big thing to take up because this scepter basically challenges all the traditions and ritual of religion. Think about it a moment. I've sort of been born that way. I've had no problem challenging traditions. I had no problem to tell people that it wasn't glory when gold dust was falling on them. Or when you got a gold tooth, that's not glory. Glory is the essence of God. All that other stuff is manifestations. I had no problem in standing in front of the world and saying Lakeland was cursed. I did, three months before it happened. I had no problem standing before the nation and saying Donald Trump was going to be president when I didn't know the guy, didn't like the guy, and it was 2015. I mean, I did, but I didn't. But this one, this one challenges a lot of people. It challenges a lot of faiths. But first and foremost, it challenges us. Are we willing? Are we willing to allow God to be God in our lives? Are we willing to say, Lord, I'll let go of every chain. I'll let go of every rope. I'll let go of every thing that holds my feet down to go and to understand and to live and to learn and to receive what you have for me. As long as it's grounded in the word of God and it's good. Are we willing? Well, I find out many people aren't. They'd rather hold on to ritual and tradition and not let go. And because of that, it doesn't mean they're less and it doesn't mean they're not saved and it doesn't mean there's a hierarchy in the kingdom of God. What it means is they're going to work a little harder. And so I really don't have a choice. This is an assignment and I'm learning it. And thank you for being those who are listening and learning with me as we go. But the scepter of righteousness of Jesus Christ is the absolute highest level of existence with God here on earth right now. It's kingdom and it's righteousness. The highest level of faith is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The highest level of abundance is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the good news is, he's in you and me. And that righteousness is who we are. Quit working so hard, beloved. Begin to rest in righteousness. And I believe our lives will be so much better and easier. In the name of Jesus. Amen.